0: Hi, welcome to The Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area.
1: And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state
0: laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com.
1: So come join our conversation
0: while we explore the embodied
1: experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room.
0: Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. Welcome to the show today. We just want to name right away... That if you are not living in Colorado, you may not know about this. If you are in Colorado currently, you have all sorts of ideas about this. We are just the state. I'm pretty sure it's a whole state thing. It's just infested with moths.
1: I'm crawling out of my skin just talking about it. And I hear them fluttering in a cup that Kelly has very gracefully (laughs) captured for us. Um, I ungracefully had this in session today. Like I was sitting on the floor and a moth is just crawling next to me and... Kelly knows this But I hate mods Like I respect living beings And I really Do not like mods I don't know why
0: Everyone has such a different I will tell you That I Hate all Like Insects Um. Mm-hmm Of it, of it almost except ladybugs which I think you also said you like lady or you don't like ladybugs I don't
1: I'm just, you know what I'm afraid they're gonna get stuck in my hair like moths and ladybugs have like thin, thin wings there's oh, like yeah. something look anyway
0: but moths are like one thing where I can deal with them um, our colleague that's Ugh. in the space with us she had like 10 moths in her office the other day and so I was like just go into my office and I'll catch them and then we'll switch back <laughs> That is like the kindest thing. Like they right, were, She must have felt so loved. It was so <laughs> bl- they were not, t- t- I counted them. Not all of them were alive. I think there were like four that were alive. Uh, and I just caught it, let it outside. Listen,
1: it, my outside. house looks like a massacre of moths between the cat and the dog and my own doing. I will say <laughs> it's really, there's body parts and dismemberment everywhere like I won't kill a spider but the moths you know what it is is like the fluttering against um like the windows at night I can't sleep yeah they're just banging and why are they inside we were talking about this like what like right now
0: it's sunny you're not aware which I only learned this year moths are um, really good for pollinating things Yes. So when we say, "Why are they inside?" Like your job is not to be in here. There's nothing in here to pollinate. Oh my gosh! I don't even have the dead dying plant I had. Near and a while you can though. see the
1: dust on the windows from their bodies, like <laughs> slamming the
0: window. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. And we're naming it because oh, okay. we're we're like a little <laughs> jumpy. Yeah. Um, I think that we're also a little distracted. Yeah. Um, if we hear them or we think that they're somewhere nearby, so we want to like name that out loud as we move into this episode yes and in fact I will say that when I was in session last week or the week before I don't know what it was there was three moths in here and I caught two of them but I, I didn't know where the third one was mm-hmm. and so I was just kind of waiting for it they dart out at you yeah so I, I know <laughs> it's like how dare they right yes right. I was waiting for it to dart out <laughs> so I had in the morning all adults. So when they walked in, I said, hey, I just want to let you know I had three moths in here. I caught two of them, but one of them is still in here and not a single adult was worried. They're like, yeah, okay. Like we're just all living with them. It's fine. And I'm like, "Wow, like none of you care. And then of course the kids are like, cool, like let's find it and catch it. I'm like, great. (laughs) But I just, I needed Uh, to name out loud to my mm -hmm. clients because if I'm on edge, they're going to feel that in our session. Like if I break contact to look somewhere, I've I've misattuned with them. So now they know that. And the purpose of us kind of talking about naming things out loud is that we wanted to talk this episode, we ended up getting um, some feedback from a listener, we got an email from them about a year ago, and then they sent or or posted a review Mm -hmm. on Apple podcast. And so we wanted to talk about that, because it's visual to everybody. and We wanted to kind of name that out loud. And we wanted to tie it into like how that relates to therapy in the therapy space. What a
1: good metaphor. Like, like, Feedback is like a moth, <laughs> right? Yes, Wait, hear me out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because there's purpose and we need it, like mm-hmm. the pollinators, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like quite jarring at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how you relate to it can dif- differ on the person. Yes. Anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I could go with that metaphor. <laughs> Would, not that we ever want. I mean, I guess metaphorically, you like kill feedback when you like write kill the
1: moth. Okay, but we we are containing it. Right, like right. I'm looking at the cut behind Kelly. Like we have contained the moth. So with the feedback, I'm just thinking like. Similar to a moth in an office, you name it with your clients. Mm-hmm. I definitely have to because it's it's truly so dysregulating to yeah. my nervous system. Um, this review is public; like all of you and anyone can see it. So yeah. we're just naming the thing that all of us can see. Yes, we're like holding it for a little bit. We're not killing it. No,
0: no. But like I, there's I think goodness. that's a great metaphor, right? Like you, when you do get feedback, yeah, you could kill the feedback metaphorically. You could contain it, yeah. or you can set it free. Yeah, and we. We'll do a couple of
1: those things (laughs) as I hear the um, sensory sounds of this moth. Yes.
0: Yeah. So I think that what we want to name is that we have encouraged people from day one to give us feedback. And while all the feedback so far we've gotten has been positive. We've really asked people for we've asked people for constructive criticism. Um and then and we and I think those of you have been listening for a while know that we want to relationally engage with folks. So it's really difficult when we get feedback but have no way of relationally engaging with somebody Mm -hmm. to talk through um What's possible and what's not possible.
1: Yeah. And how those anonymous things or like lacking relational um, comments can leave you feeling, I don't know, I think it's related to our attachment wounds, whether you feel angry or helpless or, but it does lack relationship. There's not reciprocity. There's not conversation. And I think that's hard because without relationship, how can emergence can't be, at least not with that other Right. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure that you've maybe experienced this as you've trained other therapists or you've done trainings because I you imagine you elicit feedback somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that early on in the field, like I either left stuff blank or would like give kind of um, just kind of open ended feedback, not really specific. Um, and then as somebody now that trains people, I'm like, well, gosh, like if, I, if you could be a little bit more specific, I'd love to be able to help on this or if if you could tell me who you are, your contact information like I'd love to be able to switch something in my training Um, so I think that as I've gotten further in my career not only do I value feedback so much more um, but really value when people can give really specific feedback and feedback that allows you to connect with them.
1: Do you think that it's um, so threatening to do like I'm thinking about when you're training other therapists how different that relationship is Than like a client who has such attachment to their therapist or to a therapist who has such attachment to like a mentor or a consultant. Feedback is really just another word for response or relationship. Like you should always have feedback with your clients, for example. Yes. But how threatening it can be to give like feedback if the relationship. Because I think it is Gabor Mate who talks about um, like the two needs. I don't have it pulled up, but he talks about the two needs that people have are attachment and authenticity and you will always forego authenticity to maintain attachment.
0: I feel like that's like a Marshall quote as well.
1: (laughs) I'm sure it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And how, um, Feedback and authenticity seem to hold hands, or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think on that point, I remember one time having to staff um, a case with Marshall, and he was saying, "Like, I'm always going to try and be relational first yeah. to avoid." a board complaint a a bad review on the website those kinds of things and so i think in regards to even this you know this person sent us an email um maybe about a year ago unfortunately it was an email that is either not a real email or not an active email so we did respond and tried to do relationship first So, yeah, I think so. so We're not kind of just like talking around about this review in circles. Um, The thing that this review is talking about is the sound quality Mm -hmm. in our podcast. And specifically, this person has a really hard time with my voice specifically in the podcast. Um, I actually didn't know until this person left a review what AMS are. ASMR. ASMR. Yeah, yeah. Right? Still, I'm like, <laughs> um, I had to look it up. And I yeah. was like, oh, interesting. And so they had left a review about that and really wanted us to change the yeah. sound of, of kind of how we do the podcast. And, you know, Abby and I spent a lot of time talking about because we do want to make this podcast as accessible as we can to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to implement feedback whenever we get it. But the reality is two, two pieces that come up for me. One, the time and the resources... I mean, you literally got this program when we first started. Had yeah. never, as far as I know, <laughs> no. opened it. Yeah, and then just learned how to use the program on your own via Google. or Definitely YouTube. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, like, we've not professionally trained. Mm-hmm. Oh no. On on how to do a podcast or how to edit the podcast. Um, I think that you've done a phenomenal job up to this point. But the other point to that is, is we try not to do a lot of edits because the whole point of this podcast is to show up authentically.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's so true. It's like so similar to a beautiful moth. (laughs) (laughs) What you decide to do with it is kind of. I think it's really important to hear the feedback and my hope is anyone who gives us feedback on the podcast would feel very heard and what you choose to do with it is up to you as a therapist, you know, when this happens with clients or consultants or, and it's true, like we, this is kind of a passion project for a few years now and we love being with you all and our time and resources are like pretty limited. We don't have... You'll notice there's like no dildo ads on here to like make money or like no one's gonna listen if we have like the ads that would make us money or like better help stinks like I don't want to partner with you know so I think that in order for us to be authentic, we've just had to make some choices around doing it ourselves for now and mm-hmm. um, and you can't make everyone happy like I think that that's a big piece with feedback
0: yes you know, in fact we were talking um, as we were getting ready to record today like a big piece of when we're thinking about this in the therapy space is we're not gonna be a good fit for mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. we can't meet somebody's everybody's needs and no. walk through our door right um, and and that I think as a new therapist for me personally I really believed that like I could help everybody, that um, I would just bend and mold and like I can meet everybody's needs. Uh, I think that came from like my own personal history Mm -hmm. Um, and over time, like doing my own work and also just really getting in a groove of like what I enjoy doing and feel comfortable with. I can say like, actually, this is how I do things. Here's how I practice. If that fits with you, great. Let's ride on this together. And if it doesn't, then definitely find somebody else that's going to fit with you. Yeah, right. There has
1: to be such a sense of security, though, to like really hold, because because I, I think of it must be like a threat of narcissism to have a belief that you can be good for everyone, mm-hmm. or contort to shift to be what everyone needs or um, I totally struggle with that too like still that will come up um, when things start to they feel like a good fit in the beginning and something shifts with a client or a consultee yeah and just continuing to come back to the ground of like maybe we have gone as far as we can go um,
0: and that's okay yeah I think that's a great point that you could be a really good fit to begin with and in any relationship you grow in different directions yes right think that um, an example I will share is pretty early on in my career several years ago I had had a guardian bring a child to therapy and this child had gotten in trouble and the guardian had said like hey I want to check in with you Um, when they go back to your session they're not allowed to play with any of the toys Mm. Um, and they can't do any playing with you back there like you can only do talking and I remember in that moment being like wow this is this is a time where I have to like decide what kind of therapist I am and i decided in that moment like i am a play therapist that who, that's who i am authentic why can i not say the word today authentically, authentically. that's who i am <laughs> authentically if i were to have gone in and like set that rule for that kid or changed who i was it would have been more dysregulating now it was really scary to have to set a boundary and say we're not matching on this request yeah you know but in a very relational and kind way I validate that person. That totally makes sense. I get it knowing what was going on. I hear that you're exhausted. Unfortunately, like this is the approach that I know works. Yeah. And so I'm not going to change my approach. So if the kid comes back, I am going to use play. But you have the choice to not allow the kid to have the session. And that person chose to not have the session. Yeah. And and you have to be okay with that. Sometimes there's no good option. Mm-mm. And you just have to choose like what option am I willing to sit with? Yeah. Does
1: it feel true that like giving like that? So that client's parent, I'm thinking about Siegel, how he talks about differentiation and linkage is like our needs for secure attachment or security mm-hmm. and that sense of self and connection. Mm-hmm. It's like, could it be true that giving feedback is just an example of autonomy? Like that person had a different thought and feeling than you did yes. and you, and then it's the therapist's job to hold like to respect the autonomy and to hold the linkage, the connection of like, and and they very much get to, and we're going to be here even while they're
0: having a different thought and feeling than yeah. us. And I think because we both showed up authentically, yes, they continue to see me, right? It's it's like so that's like the kid never yes. came back.
1: Like that's the unfolding emergent thing of relationship is like, and we get to keep finding out what happens next together. Um, But I do think, correct me if I'm wrong, like I do think that it's a therapist's job to keep the connection in the midst of a client practicing differentiation.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that where you could really get some citations from that is TheraPlay.
1: Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. That's a great example. Mm -hmm. The
0: goal is always to maintain connection.
1: Yes. And I think, at least I can speak for myself, like I, I'm like a recovering people pleaser.
0: Uh, well, you've got two people.
1: I'm trying. And so I'm just really aware that, um, in the beginning of my career and I can still fall into it when I feel like connection is threatened. If I'm not careful is I will implicitly make the client responsible for keeping connection. I don't actually want feedback. So I think it's like a wordless posture probably. Mm. Um, This is really hard to talk about because it's not tangible, but maybe you know what I mean. Like if I ask a client at the end of a session, I'm just, I want to check in. How was today for you? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have a gaze. My arms right now are kind of like at my side. My heart is kind of open. I'm speaking in a voice where they can really believe I'm like receptive, you know, how was today? How are they doing? Mm-hmm. Um, versus like, you doing okay? We're about to wrap up. Yeah. Just checking
0: that you're doing okay. I know well, what's you're this. asking is that they're for them to take care of you.
1: Yes, totally. And I think it's a sneaky thing that newer therapists can get into or when you're not grounded to make the client responsible to hold connection by not giving feedback instead of being able to tolerate the discomfort.
0: Yeah, because I imagine that when you are really in touch with asking for the feedback in a way where you're open, mm-hmm. your voice is really low and, and ready for that feedback, you've probably timed it so it's not the last five minutes of something, right?
1: No, right? Because who is going to feel safe to give feedback if it's
0: we're ending, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've also noticed that um, I will often. Name Like, hey, I just I'm noticing this about me or what's coming up between us Mm -hmm. um, so that it also offers an invitation to 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 give more feedback. Again, I think it's our responsibility as therapists to name things first. Mm -hmm. Yes, We, we do not want to put that responsibility on a client and and I have I've fallen into that and I've apologized I say gosh I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about it and I'm sorry that I didn't bring it up first yeah yes it'd be like a wonderful thing to sit with I think if you're
1: listening is like what are the ways that you avoid receiving feedback implicitly it could Mm -hmm. be a nonverbal it could be the words that you're using it could be that your clients have always have to bring things up first and there's like lacking in attunement perhaps um I'm thinking of like the Matrix like maybe we're really old that we're bringing up that reference <laughs> how like he dodges all the in slow motion like I think feedback can feel that way yeah um in the therapy space I want to read something that Siegel says um in his book Interconnected that felt really hopeful he calls it systems systems intelligence and it's the innate capacity of a complex system to self-organize towards harmony. So like this inherent ability of a complex system, I'm thinking of just a relationship, like relationships are systems Mm -hmm. and um, it organizes towards harmony when allowed to differentiate and link. It enables the interdependent parts to flourish. And so when there's spaciousness in the therapy room, to be very differentiated and then come back together and link. We're always going to lean towards harmony. I think it's like the most hopeful thing that we can give and receive feedback and trust that the system is going to lean towards relationship.
0: Well, I think to even go a little bit further and like what what he means by differentiation and then link. Um, I don't know if if you, and I know you're a social worker, so you did a lot of systems training. Yeah, Differentiation is a big family systems word. So maybe for those folks that weren't trained with this, Differentiation means that it's kind of the, the we that Dan Siegel talks about, right? Like, I have an experience, you have an experience, and then there's this, like, piece in between us. But differentiation means that we can sit and have two different ideas and be separate instead of being merged or meshed. Um, an example would be, as I was being mentored as a supervisor, one of the phrases that I've used that's been really helpful for me for this differentiation and then linking mm-hmm. is here's my thoughts about it and you don't have to agree on it and that's okay right so i'm naming for this person we get to disagree and we can still be connected so i'm naming the differentiation and then trying to move towards the linkage so that the harmony shows up
1: yeah and we get to do that when we have like an unshakable trust in the harmony that that wants, that will be there and wants to be there in relationship. Yeah, um, I think when we're afraid of, at least for me, I notice if there's a fear of loss or disconnection with a client or a supervisor or a mentor, then I'll find myself wanting to keep people in regulation, like all session. And I know Marshall talks about this. It's like that would be one sneaky way that you're avoiding feedback, mm. is if you are trying to keep your client regulated the whole time. It's very agendaed. And you're not leaving room for them to say, like, no, I feel bad. (laughs) Like, I feel awful and quit making me try to feel
0: better. Or, yeah, I just think that it's performative or. What's reminding me, Robin Goebel just recently posted Mm -hmm. about how important it is that we allow kids to get dysregulated and invite that because then they get to touch in on our regulation. And that's literally how the nervous system is formed. Right. Right.
1: Otherwise there's not authenticity. So if you're giving lots of strategies or even reflections like somatic reflections about dysregulation, but your agenda is to bring them in into their window without allowing them to just be exactly as they are. um, You're probably avoiding opportunities for feedback.
0: Yeah. And I think to bring even home back to this review mm-hmm. is one is it certainly is vulnerable to like bring it up. Um, and, and when you start talking about like, oh, well, what do people worry about when receiving feedback? And I think the worry for this is, gosh, if we name this out loud, will it just like invite a whole slew of really negative feedback? Yeah. Right. And so then it's checking the facts like, gosh, well, we've looked through um, other feedback we've gotten, whether that's on the podcast stations that people listen to or the emails or the Instagram messages Um, and that's probably just not true
1: no and I think it feels inauthentic to not say say the thing that everyone could see yes you know similar to like naming the moth in the room like okay we need to name
0: that makes me curious I wonder if um, you've had a bad review on your practice would that be something that you would name for a client when they start with you
1: that's such a good question
0: like yeah. You, you may have seen this. I think my fear would be that now I've directed them towards my website <laughs> and they know it's an option.
1: Oh, my. It's almost like how we talk about suicidality, right? Like we'll talk to interns about asking them if they want to kill themselves is not going to like plant the seed and make them want. Yeah. Right. So it's probably similar of just because we tell people how they can report us to the board. Does not mean that we've.
0: No, it's so funny. I'm so glad you said that because I talk to people about that every every day, every time, like in an intake (laughs) session. And so far,
1: yeah, right. Yeah, but there's that fear of like punishment or a loss or you know all those things around our attachment patterns come up, and that's always been true in this podcast. Like we're doing this vulnerable thing, and it feels authentic to just name as we go. So we're bringing back our floral. Healing cards You know I have a good friend in Seattle Who just did um, A tarot reading she has like 14 different decks and they're so beautiful. Do you have any? I have one deck. Do you do? Mm. I don't have any. I mean, I have these like flora and fauna cards, but it was so interesting to, this is really a tangent, but it was so interesting to see how she related to the different decks and like the art on them and, um, which one she was going to choose that day. And it was really beautiful to witness her practice.
0: I've really wanted to bring in the deck. Yeah. Um, for adults. Uh-huh. Actually, I have even some kids that I work with. Sure. Um, I think I could, but I just haven't, I'm not as familiar with it. Like I was gifted the deck yeah, um, and I certainly have like messed around with it, but I really think like it's an intentional practice that needs to be practiced. I think so.
1: And I guess I'm just reflecting because with these flora cards, using them, I use them with my kids and I've used them with clients too, but drawing from them and then reading what it says and holding that intention for the day Mm -hmm. has been such a sweet anchoring so I'm not sure if you're listening, if you do tarot or if you've bought these cards, we'll link them in the show notes, but, um, having like an intentional practice. Yeah. Um,
0: and we've linked these cards before, but I will say when we link them, but it is somebody off of Etsy and they're here in Colorado. I think yeah. she's in Louisville.
1: I know. Yeah. Yeah. At the apothecary is where oh, there you go. I get them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me pick one here. Have you ever seen those like videos where people are doing tarot and they do like the jumping? No. <laughs> they like. They shuffle them really fast, and they just wait to see like which ones fall. Oh, like one just fell. Look at we're doing it now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're doing it now. So we don't have a YouTube channel. (laughs) god do you know podcasts do that i know i never wanted to we're never doing that sorry (laughs) to disappoint if that's the feedback you have the answer right now is no it's a hard no (laughs) firm no we have like no shoes and pants unbuttoned and
1: like we will never do a youtube but this is beautiful okay the one that leapt out into our podcast is the iris and the iris symbolizes heart Iris was named after the Greek goddess Iris. She was said to deliver messages to and from the heavens and earth. Like Iris, adept at speaking for many, we must listen to each thoughtful musing and expression of our heart. They are as colored and varied as this flower. You are the origin and the messenger of your story. It is your responsibility to decipher your truth. What tales of woe and restriction do you hold on to? How might you feel if you release the stories that do not belong to you?
0: It is your responsibility to decipher the truth. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being
1: with us.